of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Claire. Welcome back in to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Normally I start off the show with a little chit chat, a little rant maybe before I introduce my guests, but this week, this week I'm not going to mess around because I've got not one, but two great guests here with me. And just like yours truly, both of my guests here today can get a bit ranty at times, and I don't say that in a bad way. I think we need a lot more people going on rants, saying what they think, unabashedly putting their views out there, and both of my guests today have created their own vehicles for doing exactly that. First, I'm going to bring in someone who's been on this show before, way back in episode 18, where we had a good, long discussion about the Kelly Thomas murder. He is the founder of the NewAmericanMedia.com. He's also the host of the weekly Agree to Disagree show, which my regular listeners have heard promoted in our little ad break a number of times. Agree to Disagree. Yeah, it's a radio show we have on TheNewAmericanMedia.com every single Friday at 4.30 p.m. Pacific. Brian Engelman, welcome back to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Hello, Mark. It is a pleasure to be here. Yes, like you said, the following guests need no introduction because I was here before. What number podcast are you on now? You said I did what, 18 with you? What, are you, what number are you on? That was 18. This will be number 47. Whoa, check you out. I'm really impressed, Mark. We're growing up. We're growing up. I'm happy to see all the steps you're taking over at Lions of Liberty as we've taken with the New American Media. It's just really nice to see because we're doing the same thing in totally different ways and in some ways exactly the same way. And, you know, a couple of years ago, neither of us were doing anything like this, maybe just having long conversations with our friends at parties, wondering if you're making a difference. And finally now it's like, look, I'm putting this out to the world. I don't care if I make a difference or not. I'm giving everything I have to the entire planet and beyond. Let's see what happens. So really happy to see that. And I appreciate you bringing us on the show because we are going to be launching a new program called Brian and Blake Save the World. And episode number one was yesterday. And because of an awesome technical glitch with the phone lines, it became about a five-minute long acid trip where everything you said was said again. Said again. Said again. That might be the new name of your show, five-minute long acid trip. I don't know. that. <laughs> And then what you just said right there would come in as acid trip, acid trip, acid trip, and it became this weird cyclone of weirdness. Sound of fine to me. Yeah, it was fantastic, but that's Brian and Blake Save the World. We launched it yesterday, working out the kinks, and we're really going to take it up a notch this year at the New American Media, and really happy to have Blake Wally, Blake the Eccentric, as a part of it. Well, as you mentioned, my other guest, you spoiled it for me, my other guest, he was with me today. He runs the website, eccentricperspective.com. He is also the host of Eccentric Perspective on Freedomizer Radio. Blake Wally, welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Thank you, Mark. Great to be here. And I will have to say, uh, I am going to be on a hiatus from Freedomizer Radio for the time being. I'm going to go in a different direction. We'll see where this goes. As Brian said, we're uh, starting a new show, so the uh, Freedomizer is on hiatus. I'm going to try to collaborate with them in any way I can, but uh, for the time being, I'm out. Brian, if you want to take the lead, and Blake, you can add whatever you want to add, but why don't you get to the core of what this new show, how you guys first came into contact with each other, first of all, and you know, I know you guys have co-hosted each other's shows on and off, but what made you decide to formally create your own new show, and where is it going to be found, what's the format, what are you going to be covering, the whole deal? Well, it was a lot of common sense. Let's just start with that. Because when I started doing my show over at the New American Media, I did a show called Agree to Disagree. Now, it didn't take very long before I went and found Blake Wally. You know, Blake covered some voter fraud at the RNC event during the Ron Paul year. was that 2012. He found voter fraud. And anyway, long story short, I reached out to him and brought him on the show. So I'm like, hey, that's a guy that just had a camera on him. And he picked up the camera, and he recorded an event, and then he put a little story to it. He gave the background. And I said, you know what? That's exactly the type of stuff we do at the New American Media. The New American Media is not somebody with huge multi-billion dollar slush funds that they can move around and get fancy graphics and all the breaking, uh, you know, the hottest technology and the hottest team of anchors with very short skirts and big smiles. The New American Media is not buying the same propaganda like we used to. And so anyway, I saw Blake 
and he's exactly what the new American media is. Cut to the chase. I didn't know he was a radio host, so I came and did his show. He came back onto my show. I co-hosted his. He's been a regular pretty much, I don't know, six months, maybe the past year, regular almost every single weekly co-host that agree to disagree. So it just made a lot of sense, and we're going to keep our own things. I'm still going to be doing a sports show called The Unhappy Hour, and as a Cleveland Indians, Browns, Cavs, and Buckeye fan with Johnny Manziel and LeBron James, I have a lot to talk about, thankfully. You don't say. First time in a long time. But we just figured let's keep agree to disagree, let's keep the unhappy hour, and let's start something different. Let's call it Brian and Blake Save the World, because, hey, at least we're trying. And we're going to cover a lot of the same stuff, and I'll let Blake tell you what types of stories we're going to be covering on Brian and Blake Save the World. Well, Blake, he queued you up, so let's hear it. What are you guys going to be looking into on this new show? We've both been talking about this for quite some time. We've been doing this for a while. So we just basically started yesterday. We're definitely going to be covering current events, just doing our own uh, show, not from the corporate perspective, but we do our own independent research and uh, you know give our own take on the world. And yeah, we'll try to mix it up a little bit, throw a little uh, entertainment, a little sports in there, mix it up to keep it entertaining. But, uh, yeah, I think that's basically what we're going to do, which is trying to launch a full-time website. I didn't get a lot of that <laughs> done today. It's going to be a work in progress. We're, this is kind of our beta test uh, time. It's a month. I'm, I'm hoping to have everything uh, rocking and rolling by uh, Labor Day with the full-time site. So at a nightly show, we're, we're thinking about probably four nights a week, and then Brian, as he says, is going to continue to keep his uh, – unhappy hour and has agreed to disagree on Fridays. So should have a lot of content. We want to want to, you know, keep everything, uh, give people a reason to keep coming back there every weekend. And I have another point on that. Um, something I also wanted mm-hmm. to add is that while we intend to have our actual launch on, would you say Blake Labor Day? I think that's a reasonable goal to have everything organized and we know exactly what we're doing. It's going to be a fine tuned machine by then. That's the goal. And here's the best part. Mark, you know, we'll have this show up here on Lions of Liberty's podcast, uh, the Lions of Liberty podcast, real soon. But either way, whenever you hear this for the first time, go to the New American Media and check it out. Click on the TNAM radio. We're also going to be using the format of it's blogtalkradio.com slash the New American Media. I believe that's what it is. We're going to send out the alerts on our Twitter and Facebook page. So if you're not following us, please do so. It's search The New American Media with space in between and like the Facebook page. And then on Twitter, we're at American underscore media underscore. And we're also going to put them on our YouTube channel. So please click subscribe. And I know Mark is working on a YouTube channel and a book, two things that I have been working on as well to varying degrees. But it's youtube.com slash The New American Media. Join us for our beta test mode because as long as it's listenable, it's going up there. And expect like what our final product is going to start with on Labor Day. So please join us for the new show. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I'll probably bring Mark Claire over. Oh, well, you, oh, come on. You don't have to invite me in so early. That's such, a, such an honor and privilege. Well, I was, uh, you were, how did that work? Uh, the, what, what's the first radio show that you did, Mark? It was Agree to Disagree with Brian Engelman. So why shouldn't you come in and do our first show? We should try to set that up. It does seem fitting, as a matter of fact. Of course, I'm happy to come on any and every time that we can make it work. So. All right, Blake, why don't we set that up? First show, let's bring in Mark Claire for at least a segment. Have your folks talk to my folks, and, and we'll get in touch I like that. it. But, you know, it's funny, you mentioned the beta test mode, and Blake mentioned how you're in beta test, but it's it's almost like all these projects that we're working on, we're in constant beta test mode, you know. One day, me and my friends were kind of liberty-minded, had some similar ideals, we decided, why don't we just throw up a blog, and why don't we just put it up there? And it was just this, we had no plan, we had no design, we had no function, we just threw it up and started typing stuff. And then eventually, a friend of ours, Tommy John, who you know as well, he built us a bigger website, and, you know, we've been working on kinks of that. Then I started the podcast, didn't know what I was doing there. You're telling me here we are 47 episodes later and i'm constantly tweaking constantly learning new things so really i mean life's a constant beta test you know we're always seeing what works seeing what doesn't work adjusting as we go and that's why it's great that's why i want to have you guys on because you guys are people that don't just everyone's always saying oh people are just out there bitching on the internet in quotes but and maybe that is just an extension of what we're doing in a way we're just bitching in more creative ways we have podcasts we have radio shows we have websites but i mean what people just seem to call bitching in quotes is is really just pointing out the injustices we see in the world, the problems we see in the world, some of the issues we see that aren't being addressed by the, the mainstream media, by mainstream politicians. And that's why I think we, all three of us would agree, that's why we generally do what we do. So I'm glad to have you guys on the show and kind of talk about why we're doing that and why we created these projects of our own. So 
The reason we do so, of course, is to bring issues to the forefront, issues that people aren't really talking about. So why don't I just toss it back to you guys, Blake, Brian, what are some issues, what are some current events you guys are seeing that, that you think are, are worthy of debate today while we have this forum here with us here? Well, if I could start off, I would definitely say that that sounds like the name of a great emo band. Life is a constant beta test. Ooh. And I could see him sitting around with dark, you know, eyeliner, the guy liner, <laughs> and maybe, you know, jeans that are too tight and, you know, Converse or something. Kind of like those, the, like the cool kids on South Park when they draw them. Well, that's why I wanted to have you on the show, Brian, because there is just no other way the term guy liner would ever be used on the show unless I had you on. So now that it has, we can proceed. I'm quite proud to hold that distinction. I hope that the plaque arrives by the end of the month because I wish to design my entire living room decor based around the plaque that I get from you mentioning that I'm the first person and the only way guy liner would have been introduced to the Lions of Liberty podcast. That's quite a long plaque, so I'm sure you can edit that down. But yeah, we'll, we'll come up with an abbreviation anagram. Thank you, sir. I'll toss it to Blake because the most important stories that we covered and that we're following today, they're the same things that we covered and followed last night on the beta test version of Brian and Blake Save the World. It's up on the newamericanmedia.com as an agree to disagree show. But Blake, if you want to run through some of those stories, definitely that riot story. This is kind of unusual because this is uh, usually I'm pretty obsessive about spending hours every day of, of research. Uh, today is actually one of the few days where I'm not on top of everything because of the uh, technical issues we had in our show last night, I realized that all of my equipment is basically a, a generation behind and that my local cable companies just started offering a new enhanced internet service. So I was spent half my afternoon today getting all that set up, getting, I got a new modem and a new router, a new internet service. So I mean, I literally just got online maybe an hour and a half ago or so. Oh, I'm just happy you know to have everything going. How, how is my Skype by the way today? No. You're sounding great. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds good, but I wanted to mention that, that what Blake just said is very important because this is something that Blake has had to figure out, and he's not done figuring it out. Same here, same with Mark Claire. Anybody that begins down the road of podcasting or live radio shows or YouTube videos, whatever the case may be, you've got to get all your ducks in a row, and it takes some time to, to go through and figure out what isn't working as well and finding fixes. You know, but we're really at the point right now where it's we don't have time to take it easy. Let's let's shift gears here because we really don't have time to take it easy. Things that are happening that we're watching every single week. Did you think uh, last year that you'd be seeing human heads being held by seven-year-olds, severed heads? Do you think that you'd see severed heads on pikes at fences? Did you did you really think? that you would see so many cops walking into backyards and shooting dogs on their private property that were causing nobody any harm, flashbang grenades into, into babies' cribs, Kelly Thomas getting killed on camera by the Fullerton, California police, and they're acquitted. There's no time to slow down. So the point I want to jump in and say, if you're ready, jump up, start figuring out what gear it takes to communicate with us, and we're going to have some weekend shows at thenewamericanmedia.com on our blog talk network Definitely some weekend stuff. We're still sorting out. We have a couple people we're talking to for Saturdays, for Sundays, for fill-in shows during the week for our time slot. So just connect with us. Shoot us an email and just say that you're ready to step up because there's no time to sit on the sidelines. Figure out your gear. Do your constant beta test, the best that you have right now, because we're kind of running out of time. And, Mark, you said that you were over near those riots that popped off this weekend. I'd love to get your perspective on it. Yeah, well, I actually spent the weekend in St. Louis visiting family, visiting my sister, my brother-in-law, and um, their young their young son, my nephew. So uh, that was a really great time. But I, I just heard about it on, I think it was on Sunday, my brother-in-law had mentioned, you know, there was a big story. Uh, a kid got shot by a cop, and this is going to be the next big national story. You're going to see it in your news story and in your, in, you know, in your news feed and all that anytime soon. And sure enough, the next day, it's all over my news feed. So he wasn't lying. But yeah, just I'll, I'll try to give a quick summary of it. And, you know, of course, anything that like this that just happened, you know, an event occurs, there's a lot of emotion, there's a lot of reports that come out. The fact is, we don't know the truth of what occurred, so let's try to keep that in mind. Mark, Mark, uh, Mark, Mark let, me, let, me, let me just jump in to say... Uh-oh, here we go. Yesterday, <laughs> yesterday, we did the same show on Robin Williams' riots in race cars after that race car guy ran over the other guy, uh -huh. Tony Stewart, ran over the other driver. Anyhow, this is a developing story. I know that someone is dead. I'm trying to learn the details. 
So I'm not going to jump to any conclusions, but if you see Al Sharpton or Jesse Jackson, be careful because they've made a career stoking the flames. Think of the Duke lacrosse rape case that was turned into a rape. Uh, what was that about? Some racial rape by the Duke lacrosse team by a, a, a black woman in, you know, outside of Duke. I don't know the facts here, and I really waited most of the time to get a, a, an opinion on the Trayvon Martin thing. But the point is, if you listen to our show from yesterday at thenewamericanmedia.com, we say as much, even with Robin Williams, even with Tony Stewart, all these, we're still gathering information. It looks this way, or it could be that way, or some people are saying it's about this, but I just don't know yet. Right, and essentially the story is that an 18-year-old young man a young black man in Ferguson, Missouri, which is kind of a low-income, high-crime area of St. Louis. He was shot by a police. That's all we really know. He was shot by a cops. That's literally all we actually know because there are conflicting reports about the other things that went on around that. Now, there are some reports that claim that this young man, Michael Brown, and another unidentified man had a struggle with a police officer. Maybe they were trying to grab his gun. There was reports of a scuffle in the police car. And then later on, you know, after the chase, the officer shot the young man. Um, there are other conflicting reports that claim that that is not true and that that is the, you know, the police version of the story and that there was no struggle and all that. But all we do know, and this is pretty much admitted as far as what I've been reading um, everywhere, that the young man was fleeing from the police for whatever reason. We're not sure why. And at one point he stopped and held his hands in the air and with his hands in the air was shot by that officer. Now, I, I'm reading right now an article on BenSwan.com where they are discussing how the police will not name the officer who shot Michael Brown. They're not putting his name out there. I, I mean, and I guess I can understand that in a way before you've gone through any legal proceeding or before anyone's even been charged with anything. You know why? Hold on. Let me just, you know why? You remember what Spike Lee did during the sure. George Zimmerman, Trayvon Martin thing? He tweeted out the address of George Zimmerman, or at least what he thought was the address of George Zimmerman. And people were showing up and vandalizing property and threatening the owners who were not the Zimmerman family. And that was condoned. Eric Holder did not go after Spike Lee for what he did, endangering the public like that. Down in St. Louis, you have people throwing bricks off of freeway overpasses. You want to crush and kill a mother of three? on her way home from soccer practice or, or, or from picking up the groceries and that car crosses the freeway and kills another family that's maybe your uncle? I mean, give me a break. We don't know the details yet and people are willfully risking the lives of grocery store workers that have to run into the back as their buildings burn down around them. You know, so while I don't know the facts, there is no, you, you can't express to me anything that could get me so convinced that rioting and killing makes any sense today, a couple of days after, while we're all trying to figure out exactly what happened. And that's what we all need to be careful of, because it worked the opposite way with the Trayvon Martin thing. Sure, yeah, and absolutely. And that's why, I, I mean, look, as much as I want to jump to the defense of someone who's been shot and killed, which I do, I don't know the situation, and I, and I, I can understand why they wouldn't want to just put this guy's name out there, because when you do that, you're going to essentially convict him in the public eye and with the intense emotions surrounding this, understandably, with all the riots that have gone on, you know, you don't want to just convict this person and essentially sentence him to death or having to move because there's no doubt people are going to show up at this guy's house and, you know, throw bricks at it, riot at it and all that stuff. So, I mean, I understand why you wouldn't do that before at least a legal formal charge of some kind is brought forth if that even happens. Now, you guys were on this a little bit more yesterday than I was. So, Blake, what have you heard about this? What have you heard about the riots? What do you know about this that I might have missed in my very short summary there? I'm surprised at how little information is out there from what I've seen. And yes, and people are absolutely jumping to conclusions. Apparently, there's a bunch of people that aren't even in that area. They're like coming from other locations to come and riot. And I think we talked a bit about last night about how it's kind of confusing how we have such little information on this one. Or we talk about like the Trayvon Martin you were mentioning, which was, you know, controversial, but kind of a different story altogether. But, uh, well, NBC, hold on, but, but NBC yeah. was editing tapes right. to make it sound like Zimmerman was saying things that were more racial mm -hmm. than they were. NBC was involved in trying to stir this up into a racial war. NBC, so you've got to consider that when you're getting your news. Are they stoking the flames to get you involved in Syria, in Libya, 
in Gaza? Do you have to go fighting in Egypt? Hey, maybe we could start a war with Russia. Hey, what about those Chinese too? What about our southern border wide open? You always got to worry about the agenda of the media company trying to get you to do something. I would always urge caution from someone that wants you to do something really quickly before you really think it through. Because that's what you had in that NBC situation with Zimmerman. And it didn't work. It did not work in that case. Who knows what could happen in this case if the wrong people steer enough people to do the wrong thing without thinking it through. Right. And I mean, as far as the uh, Zimmerman case went, I mean, it wasn't until the trial, who to thunk, that a lot of the real facts or at least, you know, a more organized, you know, uh, discussion about the facts came across. And it might be difficult when emotions are flaring, but in a lot of ways, we do need to wait for a public venting, sort of, a, you know, a public airing of the grievances in this case, a public airing of exactly what happened, because otherwise we're just guessing you're just picking and choosing sides or what have you. Maybe you're predisposed to dislike the police. Maybe you're predisposed to like to dislike young black youth. I don't know. But whatever your predispositions are, those are going to play into things a lot more before we actually get the facts. So I think yeah, I think we all agree that's why it's important to get those actual facts before we rush to judgment on certain aspects of this situation. Right. Now, now let me, Mark, Mark, let me ask you, though, about certain aspects of this. I'm, I'm reading that it's a black, a young black man. What was the age? Was it 18? He's 18. Okay, so a young black man, not a boy, a young black man getting ready to start college, I believe. Is it relevant to the story that he's a black man other than a man? Like when the man Kelly Thomas had his life extinguished by the Fullerton police, Ramos, you know, putting on latex gloves saying, you see these fists, they're getting ready to F you up. He was making sure he didn't catch any sort of bloodborne disease because he killed this man on camera and got away with it. I don't know that it's relevant that he was a white man. What's relevant was that he was a man. So I'm trying to figure out in this case, before I jump to any conclusions, Mark and Blake, are you seeing information that would tend to suggest that there's a racial component in this murder or this killing in this death? It's hard to say. It's a, uh, from what I understand, this, uh, this neighborhood is 70% black. I, I don't know. I've heard conflicting reports. I've heard somebody report that the, uh, they thought the officer was black, so that would kind of change the narrative quite a bit but if it was a white cop shooting a black kid then i guess it would i can understand why the community would you know maybe do that but it's it's just strange how they kind of pick these cases where people just totally get out of control without hearing the facts and of course you know last night we're talking about the case with uh eric garner which we all saw right in front of us crystal clear in new york where the police literally choked this guy who wasn't even resisting didn't really appear to me on camera. It was a crystal clear video. He didn't really seem to be really resisting all that much and was over some little petty thing about untaxed cigarettes that he was selling or something. And they, they choked him, and then they had a big press conference and didn't uh, you know apologize, didn't say anything, basically said that they did the right thing and everything's fine, nothing to see here. You would think that would cause an outrage, and with that, even with all the facts coming out, but yet these other two cases were just... People, I guess you just, you just have a certain powder keg somewhere and, and people uh, look to riot, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, that's a really interesting comparison. I mean, it hadn't even occurred to me that this Eric Garner case had just happened, you know, a week, 10 days earlier. And this is, I mean, essentially, if we just break it down to the facts, dead person, murder, police, you know, this was a black man choked to death, not shot, choked to death by police. So this was another black man killed by police. And yet... I mean, I don't know. I don't really watch mainstream news, so I don't know if this was all over Fox News or, or what have you. And I don't even know if the St. Louis Ferguson murder would have been all over Fox News, MSNBC, if it weren't for the riots. I'm not really sure. But, I mean, I don't remember seeing a lot of, you know, the same kind of fury about it. There definitely weren't riots over it. There is a large protest movement, large a peaceful protest movement that I know has gone on in New York where he was killed. But yeah, I mean, it's very interesting that, you know, we have a case where a man was clearly murdered on camera. We have it. He was choked to death. The coroner even said, yes, this man was choked to death. We have all these facts. And yet here's another case where we don't have the same facts. We All we know is young black man, dead police. We just have the same basic facts, but we don't know any of the details. And yet there are riots and there's all this outrage. And I'm, I, I'm not saying there shouldn't be outrage because... You know, and, and Brian, you mentioned, you know, bringing up the race. And I can totally get what you're saying there because there's a reason why headlines are what they are. They're intended to stoke a certain reaction in us. They're intended to get us interested in a story. They're intended to get us to click on something. And, you know, for right or for wrong, when you bring up race, it gets people more interested. It gets people fired up. 
So, you know, if, if you're framing it as, you know, a, a black youth, a black man killed instead of a white youth or instead of just a man as in Kelly Thomas, I don't remember that case ever being framed as officers kill white man. I've only seen it framed as like officers kill mentally handicapped man or what have you. So it really is something to kind of think about before you before I even just go saying, hey, a young black man was killed. Well, I don't know. Why didn't I just say a black a, a man was killed? Why did I have to say he was a black man? I don't know, because that's everything I'm reading. It's very important because... If, if there's that component, let's figure that out. That, okay, but you don't start throwing bricks off of freeway overpasses sure. and having four people jumping on traffic. Your grandma's coming home from work and, and she's stuck inside of a flash mob and, or she's shopping and the place burns down and grandma's there. She gets lost in the smoke and she dies in the corner because you were a freaking idiot. No, no, no. I think we should maybe slow down on that. Or if grandma's in the middle of traffic and coming home from that same store five minutes before it burned down, say she escaped that somehow, what if now three people are on your, the hood of your car, the trunk of your car, stomping around, you're scared for your life. You've seen people dragged out of trucks in the Rodney King beatings. Reginald Denny was pulled from a truck, a cinder block, thrown onto his head, and a guy danced. A one-legged woo-hoo, look what I just did, dance on camera, look it up. So if that's happening to people in streets, I'm curious, is Missouri a concealed carry state? Like how many of the people are prepared and able to protect themselves during all of this mass, just, just insane violence of burning down buildings and throwing cinder blocks? You could have easily 50 dead people today. We don't, luckily. But if we allow this to continue, we're going to. So, you know, these are important things to, to consider whenever a story breaks like this. But one of the, the ones I'm trying to figure out, guys, how many homicides have happened from illegal immigrants? And I've heard different numbers thrown out. Rick Perry, I think, threw out the number 3,000, and PolitiFact is disputing some of that. But if there's one murder from an illegal immigrant, that person wasn't allowed to be here, that's one. You have 100. How many lives is this touching? 1,000. We're allowing our entire southern border... To remain wide open, Blake, what was that story about that guy that crossed in the Bin Laden costume, James O'Keefe? Yes. I saw that headline. I know we're going a little off course, but that's that's our nature here, so it's all good. Keith, Blake, you've seen the video. Brian, you've seen the video. Blake, why don't you describe that video? I only saw the headline. I didn't actually see how it kind of uh, played out, but can you describe the guy that tried to come over the border in a Bin Laden outfit? Yeah, it's uh, James O'Keefe. He's a uh, well-known journalist, conservative activist. He uh, brought down Acorn. He's that guy. And a lot of other things. Oh yeah, um, I know that. He uh, yeah, he just basically wanted a kind of a publicity stunt, I guess, to show how he could cross the uh, Rio Grande. So he did it twice. He did it once as as him, and then he did it again wearing a, like, a Halloween mask for Osama bin Laden and army fatigues, just to show how the uh, border patrol was nowhere to be found and anybody could just cross over. So it was it was it was pretty uh, interesting and funny. That is insane. If I. That is insane that in 2014, we're here August 12th, 2014, I'm told I have to take off my freaking shoes to, to go on an airplane. I can't bring a bottle of water in. Okay, so they're worried about my shoes and my water. There are severed heads over in the Middle East stuck to things. And our entire southern border is wide open and has been since 2001, since September 11th, 2001. So guys, tell me. All of this buildup, all of this military escalation toward violence, doesn't it sure seem like they're kind of warming the public up to these heavy-handed tactics because it's about to hit the fan with riots in every major city coordinated by some certain catastrophe or crisis that's either taken advantage of by certain groups or created by certain groups? Uh, I don't know. Who ever wants to answer that? I, I like that you've fully taken over hosting duties, and I actually appreciate it because it's a little bit of a break from me. <laughs> I can't help it sometimes, man. That's ridiculous. But uh, thank you for allowing me. Of course. It's in the blood, my man. You know, we can go into the immigration thing. We can go to some other things. In a way, they all kind of tie together. But I want to just hop back and tell a story real quick. And yeah, and just to address your point, your question there. Yeah, I think that government, media, in many ways are all kind of... I don't want to use the word conspiring because that has a lot of connotations to it. That makes us conspiracy theorists. But in many ways, they do conspire to create certain emotions in us, to get ready for certain things. You know, when you see a bunch of propaganda about a certain country, say in 2002, you see a bunch of stuff about how Iraq's dangerous and Saddam Hussein's dangerous and he's got all these weapons. Guess what? Don't be surprised if that's building up to the push for an actual war. 
And just like now, hey, if you see all these headlines, race riots, race riots, whether it's Zimmerman, whether it's Ferguson, don't be shocked if that might be some kind of sort of intentional push for something. But I, I want to jump backwards, go back in time for a minute to back to this Ferguson issue, because I want to relay, and, and it actually ties into what something you just mentioned, Brian, about taking your shoes off in the airport. I want to describe my weekend a little bit. It was nothing too crazy, but I did go to St. Louis, as I mentioned, to visit some family. And on the way there... Um, the line was a little long and they just told us, they gave us a little pass and they said, go into this line. And it was the pre-check line. And there was, we didn't ask to be there. I think they were just trying to move things along a little more. So they, so we got put into the pre-check line and in the pre-check line, guess what you don't have to do? You don't got to take off shoes. <laughs> you don't even have to go through a body scanner some of the time. You can just go through a metal detector, you keep your shoes on, you keep your belt on. I tried taking off my jacket cause I was so used to it. They were like, no, sir, you can keep that on. No problem. Now. Supposedly pre-check is for people that have been fully screened, have gotten background checks, um, all this stuff, and you know that's supposed to keep us safer. But to me, and I, I'm glad I got the exemption. I know I'm not a threat. I'm not worried that I didn't that I kept my shoes on and everything. But doesn't it kind of prove just a little bit that the whole security theater that they show us is a little bit of BS? If they can just randomly grab a couple people for you know for purposes of getting this line moving and toss us into the pre-check line, which which is where all the supposedly pre-screened, predetermined, you know, pre everything passengers have gone through it kind of just shows me that maybe this whole thing isn't necessarily really i don't know the the best standard of of keeping us safe what do you guys think well they haven't caught a single yeah i can tell you one thing they've never caught a single terrorist and how many years that they've implemented all these new measures you could say there's maybe a little bit of a conspiracy when you had that very suspicious underwear bomber that was the guy that was basically put on the plane by i mean by FBI agents. I mean, that's been literally admitted in court. So, I mean, that, and that was the justification for the body scanners in the first place. Right. Absolutely. They already had Michael Chertoff was the guy that had all the scanners already basically ready, just sitting in a warehouse, and they just needed the uh, right situation for so they could, you know, have an excuse to roll them all out and get the American people to go along with it. And, and there you go. And subsidize it because you can't fly without paying a special department of homeland security kickback no matter how you order a flight here's an extra seven bucks here's an extra five bucks or well, i don't know what it is whatever every single flyer is paying for that and we're legitimately not being taken care of at home we have spy cameras on all the major intersections your google smartphone your your iphone it's tracking your gps location constantly it knows who your mother and father are where they live and who they frequently email it's a level of creepiness that is beyond what George Orwell could have even imagined with his book 1984. So mix all of that world turmoil in, know that that the higher-ups have every piece of information they have possible. I'm kind of thinking all you would need to have happen would be, I don't know, say the power to snap off for three days and watch and just sit back and watch. And I'm telling you, I feel stuff in my bones that I haven't felt my entire life, and this is very serious. You know, as much as I'd like to just talk about LeBron James and talk about Johnny Manziel, um, you know, I, I would. I would like to do that. I'd like to talk about Kevin Love. I'd love to talk about, I don't know, some cool music or something. But unfortunately, this is something that's important enough for me to take a little bit of time out of my day each day because I feel like the other shoe's about to drop, guys. Oh, Brian, I think we do need to address the fact that feeling in your bones could just be uh, early onset arthritis. So just just to toss that out there, we don't want to we don't want to jump to conclusions. We want to wait for the facts to come out, as always. You know, you know what it also could be? It could also be my my sympathy pains for since you brought up your TSA experience when you were on my radio show talking about how they smashed your testicles. This might still be my yeah, sympathy smash might pain. be an exaggeration, but they definitely touched them. And um, <laughs> I, I wrote about that. I'll leave a link to that on this post. Since I, I went on several rants about that. But um, you know, I. I just want to get back to a back to topic as as much as we can because that's that's why I like you guys that's why I like talking to you guys because we go on rants and we go on offshoots and it, it goes wherever we go. But to get back to this Ferguson case to tie it all back together, when I was coming home to the very same airport in St. Louis, we were standing in line and uh, a you know lady uh, in front of us brought up the riots and what was going on and we were basically in agreement and she talked about how um, you know the rioters had burned down a gas station and I hadn't really heard too much about it other than the fact that there were some riots. I pretty much brought up the point, well, you know, yeah, I mean, regardless of what happened, I mean, no one's accusing that gas station owner or attendant or whoever of, of doing this crime. So they're kind of collectively blaming, I don't know, quote unquote, society or whatever they perceive as, as the people who have done this injustice to this young man. 
you know, they're blaming people that aren't related to the actual event. They're just collectivizing their blame. They're saying, you know, society did this. Maybe the white people did. I mean, I don't know who owns the gas station, but they're blaming somebody other than even the remotest possibilities of who the suspects are in this case. And we were in agreement there. We were all on the same page. And then she said something at the end that kind of irked me the opposite way. And that's when I had to kind of end the conversation and just not talk to her because I don't need to go on rants in the security line at the airport. Just the last thing I need. But she basically said, you know, and hey, it's no wonder that the police overreact to these people sometimes. And that just really rubbed me the wrong way. A, because of that term, these people. I mean, maybe she was specifically referring to rioters, but to me, it just came across in, and maybe this is a part of me. Maybe the media brainwashed me to think she meant, meant it in a racial way. But the fact that she was sort of justifying what she's just calling overreaction also bothered me just as much as our conversation about the people attacking the gas station. Because at the same time as we have to be skeptical and we have to be completely critical of anyone that just goes around, like in the Rodney King case, just killing people and smashing bricks over their heads, blowing up gas stations. We should absolutely be condemning these people. But at the same time, we have to recognize and try to not make excuses for other acts of violence perpetrated by police. And to me, so many people often take this kind of um, stance that, well, hey, of course, the police overreact. These people are just so violent sometimes and they can't be reasoned with. And it's that sort of attitude that I think leads to this cycle of violence where the police, you know, I know Ferguson is a very poor area. It's a largely minority community. We're not looking at the reasons why that even exists in the first place. We're not looking at the problems that create a situation where so many people are kept in poverty. We're not looking at the war on drugs that basically gives police officers the excuse and the motivation to arrest so many people, the majority of which are minority youth and the reason they stop these people on the street in the first place so it's a problem with attitude towards our fellow man that i think is prevalent on all sorts of sides in all sorts of situations but um i think i've talked long enough what do you guys think about my little rant there blake i'll give it to you first because brian's going to make himself the host anyway <laughs> right i think you brought up a, a lot of really good points there and uh yeah people need to calm down i don't know why this all needed to happen that way and um i don't know really where to add on that specifically, I mean, I'll let Brian here take over the host here, and I'll, I'll throw another point here. I would just say that we all need to be careful about it, you know, and, and to say these people, it's, it's these types of people that are doing this. And who is that in reference to? I don't know. Just look at the pictures, those, pe- those types, whoever happens to be in the picture. I've only looked at a couple. I don't even know the extent of it. Yeah, I mean, the way she was saying it was almost like, hey, no wonder this kid got shot, as if that kid is the one that retro later on in the afterlife maybe burned down the gas station. I mean, it's it's just unrelated things. I mean, they become related because the emotions bring people to do drastic and crazy things in response to you know certain acts. But right, I, I mean, maybe Michael Brown has a history of burning down gas stations. I don't know, but he shouldn't be lumped in with the people that are doing it in reaction to his death. Yeah, I don't like to jump to conclusions either way. I know police get a bad rap on some things and people take extremes on on each side. I just want to get to the truth. And if there's, you know, bad cops, I want to make examples of them uh, where I think they get protected too much by the establishment. And maybe they're trying to federalize them on on another angle, looking at that. And we we need to have that discussion, but you know, can we all sit down and and, and relax before we, uh, you know, burn a city down and we don't have all the facts out. That's just, that's where I have a, have to draw the line there. But if there's certainly, if this, uh, you know, if they find this cop guilty, then he needs to be removed and isolated. And uh, I don't want to say made an example of, but I mean, if he did actually, you know, shoot a kid in cold blood and it was had a racial tone to it, then yeah, he probably, well, he definitely deserves to be locked up. And I don't want to demonize all, there's so many good cops out there. And I don't want to sit there and be like, oh, all the, you know, cops. And, you know, it's dangerous when people take to, you know, the extremes on each side. I think you make a good point, Blake, and that's something that I see as a big problem in the libertarian movement is that there's this jump to demonize every cop. Now, there's a lot of libertarians out there that'll say, well, all cops must be bad because there are all these laws out there that infringe on rights. They are the enforcers of rights infringements, you know, the drug war or what have you. And therefore, they're all bad. And, you know, that might be true in a, in a sense of the way, you know, people shouldn't be going to jail for owning a plant. People shouldn't be going to jail for just owning a specific substance. A lot of the laws are very unjust. But if we think about it, the profession of law enforcement in itself, unless you're a complete anarchist and don't believe in any law, don't believe in any order, don't even believe that murder should be illegal, well, then you're going to agree that law enforcement is something that should exist. So then we shouldn't condemn 
every law enforcer any more than we condemn every postal worker just because we don't like the system that they're maybe, you know, the way that they're funded or what have you, or the way that the system is set up. The fact is, just as it's possible for police officers to do bad, to kill people in cold blood, to beat Kelly Thomas to death, it's also for possible for police officers to do good, to prevent violence, to stop a bad act, and, and to even look the other way in the course of a drug arrest. I mean, I know for a fact that there are police officers out there that will pull somebody over, see marijuana in the car, they have the ability to arrest them, and they won't, they won't do it. They'll decide to send them along the way. You don't see headlines about that stuff, but that stuff does happen. So if, if we just want to hate on all police, well, then that's we're going to we're going to foster a place where riots and screaming for kill police is what's going to happen. And that's only going to lead to more violence and more of the kind of things we're seeing in St. Louis. But if we really want to see a better world, we really want to see a better society. We should praise police when they do really good stuff. We should be encouraging them to do good things unless we think we're going to end the system overnight. That's the only way to go about it, to teach them about individual rights, to teach them about the things that they should be enforcing and the things that they shouldn't be. You know, when we just say police evil, kill police, police bad, which so many people out there do, understandably in a way, because they do see a lot of the police violence, they do see the no-knock raids at 3 a.m. that end up burning a baby in a crib with a grenade. You know, they see these things, but we have to kind of look at things in a bigger picture and not only focus on the bad, focus on the good. And to me, the way to change society for the better is to encourage people, whether it's through the legal system or just through the advocacy that we do in our various mediums, to act in a good way, to respect individual rights, to do the right thing, as they say, and not do the wrong thing. So I I think that's a very good point. I've rambled once again. So Brian, I'll let you take over for a minute. We're going to wrap up pretty soon. But what else are you guys thinking? What else do you guys want to chat about before we head off here into the sunset? What I wanted to say is that this is happening on a global scale. You see it in Gaza with Israel versus Palestine. You see it all over the Middle East. You hear about ISIL and ISIS and now IS, Islamic State, trying to push for a global caliphate. There are people out there legitimately doing things like this and legitimately gaining power. If you've ever wondered what it must have felt like in the run-up to World War II, just slow down, take a look around, and compare some moments in history, compare some things that have happened. Are there any similarities? Does it all look like this is headed in one direction, and do you want to go there? And if not, you've got to engage yourself in the conversation. I would just say that's my final pitch for if anyone wants to grab a show on the New American Media, with, I think we'll have some weekend shows available, maybe the occasional weekday shows, uh, contact me ASAP because this thing's going full bore with Blake on board now. But, I mean, Blake, you and I, we've, we've been trying to get to the bottom of this Gaza thing for a while. I've had debates on it. And I don't know enough of the entire history going back hundreds of years, going back thousands of years, every broken peace treaty, every murder. I, I can't keep track. Um, I'm trying to figure it out. But, I mean, you see this happening on a global scale. Blake and I don't always necessarily see eye to eye right away or even at all. But we have to be able to have the uncomfortable conversation, and that's one of the things we hope to continue doing. So I don't know what, how, where you want to take that, Blake, as far as global politics and how it's all shaken up. Well, yeah, that is one of the issues that we do disagree on, kind of, sort of. Not that we say that we have all the answers on that one. With the conflict in Gaza, I see it as a... Uh, I, I try to be a little bit more specific on that. I don't like to see you know, the violence, of course. I don't like to see any anti-Semitism. I think we've got extremists on both sides, whether it's the extreme faction of the elements within Hamas or whether it's the... I, don't, I want to be specific. It's the Zionist element of the uh, radicalized, I would say, uh, Israeli that leadership there. And, and I just... I, I, yeah, I'd like to see a big debate between you know the upper levels of Hamas versus you know Netanyahu, who I'm not a fan of, <laughs> I like to see that them debate and maybe uh, yeah be quarantined from the rest of society, and maybe both Palestine and Israel could use new leadership on either on, on both sides with a nice worldwide debate because that's something that does affect us all, especially if it leads to escalated conflicts to where it goes you know start weapons of mass destruction start flying around so it's something that's important whether it's we agree or not but to, to have the conversation and to continue that for for everybody and to get you know more, more we have to engage stuff. we right. have to engage in that conversation right now we don't all need to be experts so let's take it easy on on our our complete absolute statements that we make in this in the garbage we just launch out there as being absolute fact when it comes to Israel, when it comes to Gaza, when it comes to Palestine, when it comes to any Islamic Sharia state, a caliphate, when it comes to any crime, any murder, any death that occurs while trying to figure out if that death was a murder or self-defense, 
while knowing that we all need to have a strong Second Amendment so we can all protect ourselves, walking around wherever we're at. All these restrictions they've tried putting on us, it's, that's not what this country is designed to be. We're supposed to be able to be safe when we're out. And the fact that our southern border is open, that means we're not safe. So who was, whose job was that? That was Congress, that was the president. So the people running our country are not safe for the country. And as we come up on election time here, we need to remember that. The people in charge of keeping this safe are either really bad at their jobs and need to be fired, or they're criminal conspirators who are allowing it to happen intentionally. Either you're bad at your job or you want it to happen. Either way, we have a problem, and we need to consider the, the scope of government. And I really hope we don't elect any more big government anythings to our country, whether you call them an Occupy supporter, a Tea Party supporter, I don't care what you call it, just this huge government apparatus thing leading us to a really dark path needs to slow down. And, you know, that's how I see it. Well, something you guys both mentioned there, which I think we could all take a lesson from, is this idea of slowing down. Slow down. Take a deep breath. When we're all getting fired up and emotional, that's when things happen. That's when, you know, that's when we see riots. That's when we see bombings and wars just break out because people weren't taking the time to slow down. Think about the real causes of things and try to engage in conversation to work their problems out instead of jumping to violence. Jumping to violence is the number one solution. I think all of us agree here that violence, when dealing with any problem, should be the absolute last absolute end resort. I mean, if you've exhausted every single opportunity. Now, sometimes that's a split second decision. Sometimes you might be getting mugged or carjacked in an alley and you don't have time to really take a deep breath and have a conversation. You just need to defend yourself. I think all of us agree with that that concept. But when it comes to these bigger events, these news stories, these world events, we need to take a deep breath, realize that there are many biased people out there, biased organizations that are going to spew a lot of stuff towards us, a lot of stuff that is spun in certain ways, a lot of stuff that might not even be factual. So we need to slow down, take a deep breath, and just sort things out and have a rational conversation about things. And that's why I appreciate what you guys are doing, because that's what you strive to do on your various media outlets and your new show, Brian and Blake Save the World. I want to give you guys one more chance to just plug that and let everybody know where to go. I know they can find everything they need at newamericanmedia.com, but Brian, why don't you just give everybody out there the quick summary of everything you guys are doing. Definitely check out thenewamericanmedia.com, or because it's almost Buckeye season, I'll call it the New American Media. Dot com uh, in honor of the Ohio State University. But anyway, I digress. Check that out. But make sure you go to all of Blake's stuff. He has a homepage called eccentricperspective.com. He has a lot of archived content there. While that may not be as regular as his Twitter feed, he has some important things there that you should check out. Now, moving on, you should check out his Twitter feed. He's at eccentric99, E-C-C-E-N-T-R-I-C, 99. And you can check out all of his podcasts, I think, if you just go on iTunes and search Eccentric Perspective. But yeah, check out thenewamericanmedia.com. On Facebook, do a search for The New American Media, and you put spaces in between, and you like the page. Um, that's also in the bottom right of the homepage at The New American Media, um, along with our Twitter, which is at American underscore media underscore. Now, we've been doing these shows, The Unhappy Hour and Agree to Disagree, for about three and a half years, and we've done that in like the middle right of the, the homepage at The New American Media. It says TNAM Radio, and it's an American flag. You click it, and you can listen live. What we're doing now is another show called Brian and Blake Save the World. And the way that you access that, we're probably going to put the link there under TNAM Radio. But also it's blogtalkradio.com slash the new American media. But definitely stay linked up with our Facebook and Twitter feeds because we'll send out messages and let you know, hey, we're going live in 30 minutes to talk about this. Call us live and join the show. You know, we want this interactive. We want you guys to be a part of it. So that's what we're launching and that's kind of how we're going to be doing it, Blake. Yeah, no, I think that uh, pretty much hit it. So, yeah, and as we've been saying, it's a little beta testing, but, it, you know, we're uh, made a lot of improvements already just in a couple of days and got our audio stuff straightened out. So I'm looking forward. Yeah, probably going to be doing a uh, show here <laughs> coming up soon as well tonight. Like I said, four nights a week probably. So I want to make sure that we're always putting out some new content, fresh content every day, and people can always uh, get the podcast as well by going to uh, iTunes and searching for, uh, well, I guess it would be Blake and Brian Save the World or something. We haven't really, uh, we've only done one show and that went off the rails, so we'll see. But all that stuff will be available. So I'm really looking forward to taking things to the next level. 
And thank you very much for uh, having us on the show today. Well, thanks for coming on, guys. I really do appreciate it. Once again, that's Brian Engelman and Blake Wally. Be sure to check out their new show, Brian and Blake Save the World. Chris Rossini's new book, Set Money Free. Set Money Free. What every American needs to know about the Federal Reserve. Set Money Free. With a special forward by Ron Paul. Set Money Free. It has easy to understand questions and answers. Set Money Free. Buy Set Money Free on Amazon.com. Chris Rossini's Set Money Free. Set Money Free. Set Money Free. Agree to disagree. Yeah, it's a radio show we have on thenewamericanmedia.com every single Friday at 4.30 p.m. Pacific. Join the show. What do we talk about? Politics, religion, and spirituality. Basically anything you're not supposed to talk about in a bar. <laughs> you're not supposed to have these conversations inside of a bar, but we have them every single Friday at 4.30 p.m. Pacific on thenewamericanmedia.com. Join the show, offer your opinion, and let's agree to disagree, but let's have a good conversation. Hey guys, Mark Clare here, lionsofliberty.com, where we strive to advance the ideas of liberty daily. We bring you the Morning Roar! That's right, every Monday to Friday we'll have a brand new edition of the Morning Roar where we provide a roundup of some news stories that you may not find in the mainstream media or even in your typical social media news feed. We find stories that relate to the ideas of liberty and provide you with our liberty perspective on them. We wrap it all up every Friday with Felony Friday, where our own John Odermatt goes out and takes a look at some sort of felony. There's felonies committed every day, you know, whether it's a felony committed by the police, a politician, or even an average citizen. You can find all of this and so much more over at LionsOfLiberty.com, advancing the ideas of liberty daily. Mark Claire. Guys, I really appreciate you coming on today. The only thing I'm going to ask of you guys before I leave is the same thing I ask of all my listeners every week, and that's to do one thing. That's to live long and live free.